Don and Melba Exley have been uh, missionaries for 40 years. Probably for the last 30 or more years, we've been a part of that, uh, supporting them in, in Argentina and the works that they've done in various places. And we're just so grateful to have them. They're great friends of ours. Uh, many of you have been down to Argentina and worked with them at various places. Renee and I have had a chance to go down, and I know my mom and dad went down and spent time with them. And uh, just seeing the work that's going on there is, uh, is a great and encouraging thing. And so we've asked Don to come today and share. He's got a great message for us. Would you welcome my good friend, uh, Don, actually, as he comes to the pulpit. At the end of this service, we're going to receive our missions offering, but we're also going to pray for you. And you're going to hear some encouraging words. If you have a need in your life today, whatever it might be, don't leave this place without prayer. God is a miracle-working God. Amen? Amen. God Amen. bless you, Don. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, church. Well, it was uh, in 2001, Melba and I were, uh, we were serving as supervisor for our missionaries in five nations living in Santiago, Chile. And our national leadership in Argentina called and asked us to come back and uh, rescue a church that we had planted that had shrunk from 1,500 down to 300. So we went back and uh, began to work, began to believe, God, the only way this church can grow again is for you to do the mighty works of God. So we began every year in the month of February to pray for married couples who wanted to have children but couldn't. And so every year we just celebrated three or four or five miracle births and families getting excited. And uh, one day I was in my office there on the third floor in, in, in the the church and the school called me from the ground floor and said, there's a couple here who would like to see you. So I went downstairs to see who they were because they weren't on my calendar. And they said, can we tell you our story? And I said, of course. I said, we're, we were married 18 years ago. This is our son who's 17. And for 16 years, we tried to have an, another baby. And it was impossible. So for the last couple of years, we've been going to fertility specialists. In the last doctor we went to is here in Martinez, our section of Buenos Aires. I don't know the doctor. But he did all of the tests on us, and he came back and told us, it's impossible. You'll never have children. But he said, my recommendation is that you go to Christian Family Center in February because they pray for people like you. And so we had never been to a church before, never, much less a Pentecostal, but we'd heard about you. So we sat on the back row close to the door to escape if we needed to. But we stayed and you prayed for us. And the doctor told us we had to come back and show you this little baby that we have as a result of God's prayer for us. And so I realized that God was making headway in our city and our church was beginning to be known. And it was probably just a few months after that that uh, a lady came to me and said, Pastor, can I tell you my story? And I said, yes, you can. She said, I was so sick. I've been to a lot of doctors and they all said, there's nothing we can do for you. So in my despair, I went to my local priest, and I told him my situation, and he looked at me and he says, it sounds like you need a miracle. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And then he said, well, my recommendation is that you go to Christian Family Center because God does miracles over there. And so I came here, and I was prayed for, and God healed me, and now I've found Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so out of that, we heard the Lord speak 
And uh, God was doing great things. Uh, another couple neighbors, had uh, their, their children had been kicked out of every elementary school in the district. So they went to the school counselor and said, where do we take our kids? She said, the only school I can recommend is the one at Christian Family Center. And so we brought our kids here, and now we found Jesus as Lord and Savior. So God has a way of helping the church become a focal point, a talked-about item in the community. So from our one service on Sunday, we went to two, and from two, we went to three. And then the Lord spoke to us about building our 1,500-seat auditorium. And so we began to do that. And in Argentina, it's, there's no bank loans. And so it's by cash, a building that was very, very expensive. And uh, our people gave sacrificially. Our youth pastor sold his car, their only car, and put all the money into the offering. And uh, just miracle after miracle. And every month for seven years, we had to see those miracles. And every now and then, churches like Calvary Temple came through big time and helped us with the month. But uh, God is so faithful. It's amazing what he has done. And it's his desire is that the church become a talked about item in the city. That we have a reputation because we have touched lives and blessed people. And so you say, wow, the church that big, why, why do we have to help? Well, uh, you know, probably 80% of what we did was with our local church giving sacrificially. But everything is done by cash. And so, for example, when we had to buy two 50-ton air conditioning units, they cost $50,000 each. You know, if you buy bricks, you can buy 500, you can buy 5,000, depends on how many, how, how much money you have. But you can't buy a part of an air conditioner. You either buy the air conditioner or you don't. So, so when churches like Calvary Temple came through with a special offering and helped us on some of those big items, it was an incredible answer to prayer. So thank you. And also congratulations on the, your new facility. Just just beautiful. We were here yesterday and toured the and we congratulate you and just know that so many great things are in store. Let me invite you to read with me this morning in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and we'll begin reading in verse 35. If you have your Bible and want to open it there, uh, Luke, Melba and I returned to the United States in uh, uh, April, the end of April of last year doing our itinerary. I was just back in Buenos Aires and in Córdoba a week ago, and uh, back had the joy of preaching in the, our church there on Sunday, and uh, see it, uh, you know, when we moved to, into the new facility, we thought maybe one service, but we took a step of faith and kept our, uh, from three services to two, and, uh, and now the morning service is filled with about 70 to 80 percent, and the night service 50 to 60 percent, so God has blessed the church in a great way. Let's read together in... Uh, Luke chapter 24, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, 
filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they washed. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witness of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high. We know God always has a purpose in every single thing he does. He doesn't do anything by accident. Every word and every act has a reason and a purpose. He's not like my children who sometimes would ask him after they did something foolish, why did you do such a thing? And you know their answer. I don't know. Maybe you had a kid like that. But God always knows what he's doing and why. This night of the Resurrection Sunday, the disciples were gathered together in fear and with a lot of questions, and Jesus has this surprise visit, this unannounced visit, this visit that was really the moment of, I told you so. I'm sure all of you men know what that I told you so moment's about. When your wife raises her finger and says, now I told you, you know, and uh, that night, the disciples were there, and they experienced it. Jesus comes in and said, now listen, when I was with you, I told you that the Messiah, and I told you that he would suffer, and I told you that he would die, and I told you that in his name and in his authority, this message must be proclaimed to all of the earth. And so after this, I kind of, I told you so talk from Jesus, and the disciples were we're, they were ready to say, whatever you say, Jesus, we will do it. Whatever you ask of us, we will fulfill it. And so he hears, they hear him speak, and he tells them, the first thing, remember, this message has to go everywhere, starting in Jerusalem. But first, you need to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. Now, there are so many similarities between the establishment of the Mosaic Covenant and the New Covenant. If you remember in Exodus, God spoke to Moses and he said, go up to the mountain and stay there. Now Jesus is saying, stay in Jerusalem until. God told Moses, I will give to you. And Jesus told the disciples, I will give to you the promise of the Father. God told to Moses, you will receive the law and you will go and teach. And Jesus is explaining the great commission to go and to teach and to preach to all nations. Exodus chapter 20 and other chapters there help us see the incredible physical phenomenon of the establishment of the, uh, of the Mosaic Covenant and the mountain on fire and smoke and trumpets and thunder. And in Jerusalem... These men and women had been gathering every day and had been totally ignored. And now on this day, uh, the day of Pentecost, when the 
fire from heaven fell and the wind blew, there was some kind of physical phenomenon so powerful and so visible that suddenly thousands of people converged on that side and Peter began to preach. There's this incredible moment that happened on that day, the day of Pentecost. If we look at it and say, why did God do that? Why did he send the power of the Holy Spirit? Why were they baptized in the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues? It's important for us to understand that. Jesus said, when I was with you, I talked with you. I talked about what was written about me and I talked about this message being proclaimed in the authority of my name to all the nations. So on the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 120, they all began to do what? Declare the wonders of God in multiple languages. All of the pilgrims, from Jewish pilgrims that had come from all of the world to celebrate the Feast of the Passover were there that day and to celebrate now the Feast of Pentecost. And they were there and they all said, how can this be? These are just fishermen from Galilee, and yet they're talking about the wonders of God in our languages. Pentecost, speaking in tongues, must be seen in their historical redemptive context and not simply as a footnote of some historical event that happened one time. Tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to empower the church to empower us, the purpose, power to take the message to the ends of the earth. There's something powerfully unique about believing in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, unique about believing that God can speak to us through signs and wonders and dreams and visions and revelation. It was at the turn of last century, early in the 1900s, in a church in Chicago, two Swedish immigrants, had been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And in one of their services, they received a little revelation from God. In fact, it was so little, it was just one word. They understood the word from God as to be P-A-R-A, para. They looked in a world dictionary, a world encyclopedia, and found out that para was, a, was one of the states in the nation of Brazil. So not knowing much, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, thinking that this gift of the Holy Spirit is sending us to the ends of the earth, they climbed on a, on a steamship, made their way, leaving the winter of Chicago with their heavy wool top coats to this tropical city in Brazil, uh, Belém do Pará, right where the Amazon passes through that city and empties into the ocean, the capital city of that state. They found a small group of evangelical believers, and they shared with them the, 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 the message of Pentecost. In early 1900s, it had never happened before. They were rejected by this group of non-Pentecostal believers. There were no Pentecostal believers. They were the first. So they had to, they lived basically hand to mouth. They survived by eating mangoes out of the trees in the city plaza. But the word began to take place. Today, if you could go to that city like I have and preach in the church of 5,000 seats and, and, and go to the, the central plaza of that great city, there's a statue to Gunnar Vingram and Daniel Berg, two Swedish immigrants to America who heard a word from the Holy Spirit and they went to Brazil 
And that statue is there is in recognition that in Brazil today there are over 20 million Assemblies of God believers compared to 3 million right here in the United States of America. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1953, T.L. Osborne was going to go to Argentina. He couldn't go, so he sent a, 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 an evangelist friend of his by the name of Tommy Hicks. And on the flight down to Buenos Aires, Tommy Hicks had a, had a, a word vision, another one-word revelation from God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was P-E-R-O-N, Peron. He didn't know if Peron was a city, a town, or whatever it was. When he landed, he found out that it was the military dictator of Argentina, Juan Domingo Perón. And so he told the organizing committee of evangelical pastors who were certainly disappointed that the big name evangelist didn't show up. They said, I have to go see Perón. I had a revelation from God through the Holy Spirit that I need to go see that man. They said, it's impossible. He's the president. But this daring evangelist went to the, to the Casa Rosada, the office of the president, and when he was refused entry, he saw that the personal secretary of the president could hardly walk from a serious leg problem he had. And he said, let me pray for you and God will heal you right now. And he prayed for the man and he was instantaneously healed. His leg that was swollen twice its side went down to normal size and he walked without any pain. And within 10 minutes, uh, this Tommy Hicks evangelist was inside visiting with the president of the nation. This is all orchestrated by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. The president said, I will give you a soccer field, 60,000-seat stadium for your event. The first night, all of our churches had less than 80 people, probably most of them less than 50 people. The first night there, in this massive soccer stadium, there were about 1,800 people. But God began to heal people. By the end of the third month, every night an open-air crusade, the crowds grew to where they wouldn't fit inside the soccer stadium. The front page of the newspapers were like the box scores of a sports page. They, they recorded the height of the pile of crutches left behind every night. They recorded the number of wheelchairs abandoned on the soccer field. They recorded the number of ambulances that came with dying patients that left empty because people had been healed. And by that last night, over 80,000 people in the stadium, 100,000 people filling the streets outside. God had spoken his one-word revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit and then showed up in a mighty, mighty way. As you see, the power of the Holy Spirit isn't just for mass events. Last week when I was teaching in, in Cordoba, Argentina, in al Instituto Bíblico Mediterráneo, I met a, a lady, and she gave, gave her testimony in, in one chapel service that she was born in a very poor province of Buenos Aires, a very humble home. She was born with so many, so many birth defects that the husband abandoned the family immediately. And for the next six years, her mother tried to keep the family together, worked, and every so often would hear about a new curandero, which would be an occult healer, somebody who with incantations and smoke and magic will try to heal somebody's disease. Perhaps the old-fashioned word would be a, a witch doctor. And her mother took little uh, Mirta Cordova from one to another without any change. By the time she was six, her mother was desperate. Mirta had never walked. She had never talked. Her mother heard the word that there's a new curandero in town, a new witch doctor in town, but he only sees people at night. 
And so her mother found out the address and made her way there. It wasn't a witch doctor. It was a bivocational pastor, probably a bricklayer by day and a preacher by night. And he took little Myrth in his hands and he prayed for her. He had eight members in his church. Myrtha's mother became the ninth mother, the ninth member, because that night Myrtha learned to walk and to run and to talk. And God did an incredible, powerful miracle through the might of the Holy Spirit that he's poured out upon us. So the power of the Holy Spirit is not just the gift from God to help us proclaim the message to the ends of the earth, but the role of the Holy Spirit is also being poured out upon the church so the church not only communicates effectively the power of the gospel, but it also produces the, the, the spoken word followed by signs and wonders. The promise of the Father was not just power to witness, but power to perform miracles. If you read the book of Acts, it's a long litany of miracles. Whether it's Peter walking through the streets in his shadow, falling upon people and they're instantly healed, or to the Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, and the lame man hearing the words silver and gold, we don't have it in the name of Jesus. Miracles of resurrections, miracles of exorcism, miracles of dreams and revelation. The book of Acts is the story of the church operating under the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following. We believe, and as we let our church out of a chaotic moment of, of bankruptcy, uh, or the verge of bankruptcy, to be a thriving, powerful church today, it was under the belief that God has poured out His Holy Spirit upon the entire church so that every member in the church will be filled with the Spirit and so that every member of the church will understand that God has given me gifts to help develop the ministry of the body of Jesus Christ, to believe that everybody is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and can be used of God to do great things. And that's how we began to believe. That's how our small groups operated, that God works through the body. Julio Estevez was an interior decorator. And uh, he'd been doing that most of his adult life. Not a young man, probably 55 or 60, a very successful business. And his neighbors were also members of our church, Hector and Aide Leches. And one day Hector and Aide were, were telling him, our daughter lives 60 kilometers away in Arrecife, Provincia de Buenos Aires, and we need to go see our daughter, but uh, we don't have a car, and uh, she can't get here. So Julio Esteves said, well, let me take you. On Friday, I'll, I'll, when I close my business, I'll pick you up, and we'll go to Arrecife. So they did. They went to Arrecife. They were having coffee and tea that evening with the daughter, and the daughter began to complain, I, you know, I can't enjoy this time because I'm in so much pain. Well, Julio Estevez, the, the interior decorator, full of the Holy Spirit, said, well, let me pray for you. And he did, and she was instantly healed. Fifteen minutes later, she realized she's so well, she said, just a minute. And she ran next door and got her neighbor who was very sick and brought her neighbor back over to the house. And the neighbor was healed because the interior decorator prayed for her. So they made arrangements that the next Friday he would bring the parents back one more time before business probably kept him too busy. 
So the next Friday, Julio Tevez with the, the, his neighbors, Hector and Aideleches, went back to Arrecifes, and when they arrived at the daughter's house, the daughter was there along with 20 other people who wanted to be prayed for. And so the interior decorator prayed for more people, and more people were healed. And so now today, two years later, we have a church of between 80 and 100 people there in Arrecifes because people like you, full of the Holy Spirit, said, God can use me. God can use me. Marcela Rowe's uh, mother was diagnosed with cancer, and she didn't know what to do. She had never been to church, but her neighbor was, was a cell leader in our church. And so she told the lady, I don't know what to do. My mom's been diagnosed with cancer. And so the, the, cell, the, 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 the small group leader out of our church said, well, bring your mother to our women's small group, and we'll pray for her. This wasn't the pastor's wife. This was women. The lady came. She was prayed for and totally healed because the church has been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that, that, that the whole church can operate under the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Melba began a small group in our home of, of international businesswomen, or really uh, the men uh, from all over Latin America were transferred to Buenos Aires by their their international companies, and so she started a small group of women from, from Mexico and El Salvador and from Bolivia and from Uruguay and uh, from Venezuela and from Brazil, and women came who had never been exposed to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and that many were saved, and some were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Not because some, some powerful stadium event happened, but because women full of the Holy Spirit began to believe that God God has a purpose in filling us with His Holy Spirit. We must not walk away from the power of the Holy Spirit. We must not be ashamed of our Pentecostal distinctive. Signs and wonders, if you'll let me accuse the, the expression signs and wonders, is our trump card. We can't sing any better than any other church. We can't perform better than any other church. We can't build massive cathedrals like some organization. But if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can do the work that God has called us to do. You see, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon us so that we'll take the message to the ends of the earth. It was poured out upon us so that we will become uh, workers of signs and wonders, full of the Holy Spirit. But all of this, even though God's heartbeat, the heartbeat of the Trinity is the redemption of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave, but it all begins with just one. It all begins with one. The Holy Spirit finds people where they live, and it begins to convict them of their sins. The Holy Spirit finds people lost in their darkness and begins to speak to them about hope through us. I remember... It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does to, to draw people to Him. Uh, uh, about two years ago, this is a Sunday night, one of our three services, and I'd finished preaching and was praying, and a, and a mother brought up her 21-year-old son, very attractive uh, family, and, uh, and she said, would you please pray for my son? It's the first time I'd ever seen her son. She was a school teacher in our school, but I really didn't know her. She had just started coming to our church. And, uh, but as I began to pray for the son, suddenly I had a word from the Lord. I looked up, and I, I looked at him, and I said, look at me. I said, you're thinking about committing suicide. You're thinking of, you have it all planned that you're going to throw yourself in front of the bus, and you're going to die. And he opened his eyes that big, and he said, you've been talking to my mother, haven't you? Well, I hadn't, but it's the Holy Spirit. 
He loves everybody. He loves everybody. He doesn't want a single person to perish. And so he'll give words of revelation. He will speak to people. He will do it in, in ways that go beyond our imagination. I had an evangelist friend from Costa Rica, a missionary evangelist, come to Buenos Aires to preach for us. And so outside of our building on a very major street, uh, across the street from the largest shopping center in Buenos Aires, nonstop traffic, all that. We just put up a sign, conference. And I put the speaker's name, Conferencista, conference speaker from Costa Rica every night, 7.30. That's all we said. Time, name, and uh, every night. One lady one night came forward weeping, gave her heart to Jesus, was prayed for and ministered to. And afterwards she said, I was walking down the street People walk to the shopping center and buy their stuff. Sometimes they'd leave their groceries with our ushers and stay there and get saved and pick them up and go on about their business. But this lady did that. I was walking down the street, and I saw the sign. And the sign said, if you need deliverance, come in and be delivered. Well, the sign didn't say that. But the Holy Spirit loves people so much, he made her read and see things that wasn't even written there. He comes to fill us with his power. He comes to bring conviction upon people's lives. He empowers us with the gifts given by Jesus for ministry. He gives us a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues, Paul says, edifies you, it builds you up. Jude says, it strengthens your faith. Praying in tongues sometimes is groanings that cannot be uttered because God has said, I will empower you to take the message to the ends of the earth. I will empower you to do signs and wonders in my name. I will empower you to be aware of people in need of the message of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when I come to the United States and I read... Uh, you know, sociologists and these research firms that say the church in America is dying. The number of believers is shrinking and this and that. And you can almost become a little bit worried. But all you have to do is, is read some other stories and other stories will tell you whether it's coming, uh, uh, is Latin America turning Protestant, uh, the, the coming Christendom, uh, books by sociologists and college professors who have looked at the world and said, if you want to see the future of Christianity, you have to go south of the equator. You go south of the equator. You come to Argentina or to Latin America or to Colombia uh, or, or to Paraguay or you go to Africa or to Asia. It's amazing to see the explosive growth of the church of Jesus Christ. And probably 80% of those churches are Pentecostal churches. The Pentecostal churches where signs and wonders and deliverance and the power of the Holy Spirit is part of every service. This has happened because God called people like Gunnar Wingren and Daniel Berg in 1908 and, and called others in 1910 and others in, in 1950 and called, called us in the in early 1970 and filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit to go proclaim the gospel message with signs and wonders following and the church has exploded in growth in these parts of the world. It's nothing to go into cities in Latin America and find churches of 10, 15, 20, 30, 40,000 members. Their buildings can't hold them, so they have eight, six, eight services uh, uh, on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 
because God is doing a work with the power of the Pentecostal message leading the way. People heard the call and they went. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just call people to go. He calls the church to send. You read the New Testament, it seems like there's just two kinds of people. Those who go and those who send. I don't read anything about those who do nothing. The Bible says you either go or you send or you do both. And so he's called us to go. This is an amazing church, Calvary Temple. It's an amazing church that year after year believes that God has gifted us and he has called us to be light in this community and to send out messengers to be light around the world. Sad to say we live in a culture of, of what's the newest. We live in a culture of been there, done that. What else can we do different now? But thank God for people and pastors who understand that the mandate to go has never changed. The eternal principles of God have never changed. The call to go and the call to send is just as relevant today as it was yesteryear. Years ago, when my dad retired from his office job where he'd worked for 30 or 40 years, it was time for their annual missions convention in his, in his church. And later on he told me, he said it was time for the convention and I looked at your mom, and I told her, I said, Irene, now that we're on a fixed income, I guess we'll try to give the same amount we give, gave last year in our missions, giving. He says it wasn't long till the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he spoke to me and said, Dick, this is a faith promise. It doesn't take faith to give the same thing you gave last year. And so I talked to your mom, and we prayed about it, and we increased significantly what our faith promise would be. And it's amazing how God began to supply our needs. Again and again, stories like this, it's amazing what God is doing. Mario Bosik was part of our congregation in Buenos Aires, and when we had our first missions convention, his business was in, 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 in almost on the verge of bankruptcy, and he had no hope for a better, better day. The economy in Argentina was in shambles. This was 2001. 2001 in Argentina, you cannot imagine what it was. All the banks were, had all their money frozen, and, and people, to this day, some of them have never got their money back, and they got it back at, at one-third of its original value because of the inflation, and etc. It's a long story. So Mario Bosic had no money. It's 2001. Things were in chaos. We were, we, we, we were placed under martial law and curfew, and the Stores were being looted, the supermarkets, by hundreds of looters breaking in to steal. And that night we had our missions convention. The Lord spoke to Mario and said, I want you to make a pledge of $1,000 a month for missions. He had no idea how it would happen, so he did it. And as he walked out of service that night, his phone rang, and it was the largest contract that his company had ever had. It was so large that he said, I can only take a part of it. I can't take all of it. You see, that's the heart set. That's the mindset and the heartfelt of your pastors. Mark and Pastor Mark and Renee have been with us in Argentina. We sense their heart. We sense their love. And so this morning and all this week, I hope you will be part of all of the C2 groups and all the other events. When we can talk about this more at length, why do we still need to do this? Because God has called us. We're going to pray. Pastor's coming. And then if, 
after service, if those who need prayer, Melba and I and the prayer teams will be here because we don't only want to talk about God doing great things. We want to pray and see what God has in store here today. Now, Father, we know that you're a God of great love and great might, that you are here this morning to bring mercy to those who need mercy, healing to those who need healing, direction to those who need a word of direction. But we also ask, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon Calvary Temple without measure so that every member of this body will begin to function in the giftings that you have given to them to fulfill the ministry that this church has in front of them. Now we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. What a great faith-building message, amen? Right now, the ushers are going to come, and we're going to give our missions, our missions offering. This is, a, you know, one of the things we do every year at Mission Celebration. It's an offering. Give as the Lord lays upon your heart to give. Give joyfully. Give in obedience to the leading of the Spirit. And then we'll come back in a moment. We'll pray for those with needs. Ushers, uh, wait us. Lord, bless this offering. Bless this giving today uh, to meet missionary needs and meet the needs of people all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. stand with me today, and I'm going to ask for our, our prayer teams to come down to the front. Don and Melbourne, any other missionaries that are here can come join them. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to come and to be prayed for. So go ahead and move into place, if you will. But let me, you've heard this great faith-building message today. But maybe you're sitting here, and, and you still have some doubts. You're still struggling with your issue about whether it's something God can answer your need. So let me just ask a couple of questions here today. How many of you in this room will say, Pastor, there's a time in my life when God touched me physically and healed me? Raise your hand high. Look around you, hands all across this place. How many of you will say, there was a time in my life when I had addictions in my life I was bound to things, and God touched me and set me free. Raise your hand. You see hands all around you. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you raise your hand and say, that's me. I've had, I, I'm, I have that. See, there's, there's things that God has for you. You may sit here today with a physical need, and you may think, well, this, this is outside of God's ability. Nothing's outside of God's ability. You may have an addiction. You may think, I'm too bound in this. I can never be set free. 
Nothing's, nothing's too hard for God to set you free. You may sit here today and say, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing, but you see people all around you talking about, raising their hands and saying they've had that experience. Don't miss what God has for you. Before you leave this place today, come down here and let somebody pray for you. If you're not born again, you've never asked Christ into your life, this is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Step out from wherever you're at and come down and just tell somebody, I need to get right with God. We'll be happy to pray with you. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song. And if you have a need in your life, whatever it might be, maybe it's a financial need, some other need, emotional need, step out and let somebody pray for you. We do this every Sunday because we believe God changes things when we pray. Amen? After that, in a moment, Dan will dismiss you. I'll be back in the room, back in the back. If you're new to Calvary, you have any questions you want to ask me, come by and see me. I'd love to spend a few minutes with you. Come as, this, as we sing right now. God bless you. Go in the joy of the Lord. Grace and peace.